This episode is brought to you in part by the Second Mission Foundation. Second Mission Foundation is a nonprofit organization that exists to educate, elevate, and advocate for members of America's service community in order to help them find their second mission after government service. Second Mission Foundation was started by and for the members of America's service community. That means members of the armed forces, first responders, security contractors, etc. Second Mission Foundation provides these veterans the opportunity for them to tell their stories, reach their goals, and make their voices heard through educational outreach, entrepreneurship support, and community involvement. For everything you should know about Second Mission Foundation, go to secondmissionfoundation.org. That's Second Mission Foundation, all one word, dot org, secondmissionfoundation.org. Profiles in Havoc is a Havoc Journal podcast. The Havoc Journal seeks to serve as the voice of the veteran community through a focus on current affairs and articles of interest to the public in general and the veteran community in particular. Havoc Journal strives to offer timely, current, and informative content. When you go to Havoc Journal, you will read the most articulate, opinionated, thoughtful, and provocative veteran writers writing about the nation, the world, politics, national security, culture, fitness, movies, the list goes on and on and on. Havoc Journal is always expanding, always striving to improve the reader's experience. If you haven't been there yet, check it out at HavocJournal.com. That's Havoc with a K, Journal.com, HavocJournal.com. You know, I've been fortunate over the past couple of years to get to know a lot of veterans, uh, especially veterans in the arts. Um, and if there's one veteran that has truly stood out for being um, a real team player, somebody that's always a value add, it's always enthusiastic, always encouraging, so willing to support other veterans and incredibly selfless in his um, focus. It's uh, my guest this week, Ben Fortier. Um, what makes this episode really special, because for those of you that have been listening to the show for a while, you know Ben's been on the show before. Um, but for this week, what is so special about it is that Ben truly is in the spotlight right now because his book, Phantoms has just been published uh, by Dead Reckoning Collective and is now for sale everywhere. And um, not only that, but it has gotten blurbs from people like Sebastian Junger, um, Dale Dye. I'm forgetting some other folks, but it, it's had one accolade after another from very prestigious established writers. Um, and it just couldn't have happened to a more deserving person. I hate putting it in the passive tense like that. Like it couldn't have happened. Like it didn't just happen out of nowhere. Um, as you'll hear in this interview, I mean, Ben's been working on this book. Um, this is an accumulation of memories and experiences and everything that he's been sorting through for 16 years. Um, so it's not like it just happened randomly or overnight or anything else. He put in the work and he has come up with something that um, is truly a worthy um, addition to the annals of veteran poetry coming out of the GWAT, something that really will, um, I think, leave a mark. And is, um, you know, the book itself covers mostly his deployment to Iraq in 06, 07, and a little bit of before, during, and after. And um, in that sense, it's it's somewhat narrative, 
But as Ben and I talk about in the episode, I mean, he does have a way of structuring his poems where there's a lot of narrative in them, just as standalone pieces. Anyway, that's all to say that it's a, um, it truly embodies the warrior artist um, aspect. And I'm just really excited for him that uh, he's got this out and it's meeting such great, um, getting such a great reception. And it'll be exciting to see what happens with it in the future. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer, and this is Ben Fortier's Profile in Havoc. Welcome back to the show, Ben. Hey, Chris. Nice to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you. Yeah, um, too. Yeah, so uh, I guess we always knew this was going to be the second episode with you, right? We always knew that when this book came out, we were going to have to sit down and talk more in depth about it. How does it feel to have this thing done? Uh, it feels good. It feels good. Um, it's been a wild you know, past few months. You know, and I think that when we first when we first linked up, when we first talked, it was still very much kind of in the ether. Like yeah. it was like in this like nebulous sort of uh, phase. And a, a, as you're aware, like and, and I've been very transparent with people that have asked me, it's like, you know, what's it like working with a publisher? What's it like doing that? And And, and part of it is you have to be willing to accept that you're kind of in this process that you don't always have you know you're, you're handing it off to someone and then wishing it luck and you don't always know where it is you know i didn't have hard deadlines or timelines for the longest time but the book was done you know so for it to come to this point where it's getting launched people are giving it fantastic feedback people yeah. that i really look up to um it, it's it's wild dude it's kind of like we, I, I think you and I talked about it a little bit, um, or I've talked about it before to somebody, but it, it's that almost that feeling of like you're getting on a plane, leaving your AO, and then you, the next thing you know, you're like walking around and you're like s- smelling, you know, the fresh air of the United States or wherever you go. You know, it's kind of like that yeah. that mind fuck of like, holy shit, like one day I'm here, the, the next day I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere else kind of thing. So it's been wild, man. But it, like I said, the feedback has been great. And um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy with things only, are going. Only because you just alluded to it. Let me just follow up on that. You said, so explain that to me. You said they, uh, there, there were timelines or deadlines that you were aware of, but the book was complete. So in other words, you had the manuscript done and it was with DRC, and then they were working on it. Is that what you mean, or was the their back and forth throughout the editorial process? No, they were they were the ones that were working on it. It was in gotcha. there. Okay, yeah, it was in their uh, their wheelhouse, so to speak. But but Keith and Tyler were very you know good in their communication. I don't want to make it seem like right they were sure. they were poor at com- communication or anything like that. It wasn't that at all. It was more of you know, it, it, it's just you're you're surrendering yourself to these processes that are yes. the publishing process, the editing process, the the waiting for things to 
get done at the publishing or the printing, you know, yep, the, yep. In, the, in the case of merchandise, you know, it's, it's, it's all kinds of, of things like that, that you don't necessarily anticipate, Sure, but you just got to kind of be patient and, and deal with it. How much of the content changed once you handed it off? How much went back and forth in editorial? Was there a lot or was it really just, Hey, we just got to work on the formatting. We're working on typesetting, whatever. Yeah, there really wasn't a lot uh, in terms of what I handed over to Keith, who was uh, the primary editor. What I handed over to him in when he finally got back to me with with notes, it was very high tech. We did it in like a shared Google Drive. It was it was really nice. You know, that's right up my alley. Like you know, yeah. as much as much collaborative you know system stuff if we can do that i'm all for that so it was really cool when he got those edits to me and i was able to look through them all and there wasn't too much in terms of like ripping things apart there were definitely a couple poems that needed to be tidied up mm, so to mm -hmm. speak uh but i'd say what you see in the final product is pretty much what I gave uh, Keith and wow, that's what, great. yeah, what he really helped me to do though, is to elevate things with, uh, you know, Hey, you know, he didn't want to change my voice. And he told me that. And I, and I really appreciated that because, you know, this is my third book I'm on. I, I feel like I, I've got some momentum in, in terms of my voice as a poet um, so it, I didn't feel like they were trying to kind of, they were, they're trying to suffocate that, or they were trying to, you know, like push me in a certain direction. They were like, your voice is great. We want to make this look good, you know, on paper in a format way, um, you know, like commas he, here and there. Oh, Hey, you know, you use commas a lot in this one and not this one. So uh. part of my editorial, you know, thing was like going back into the poems and like, seeing what ones I wanted to have commas and punctuation and what ones didn't mm, like yeah. small nitpicky stuff like that really. No, but that's cool. That's very cool. I mean, God, yeah, that's what editors are for. That's freaking great. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, so getting the somewhat granular question out of the way, let's pull back to a 30,000 foot view. How do you feel right now? Do you feel, I mean, this has been a long time coming. These are the stories that generated so much for you. And now, and we're going back to 2006, we're going back years. Does it feel like a weight's been lifted? Uh, I think in some ways it has, yeah. You know, and, and, and I've talked to, to my friends about this um, in 125 and in regard to, I feel like I've always kind of been wanting to tell this story. I think it's a very unique story of you know, a reserve infantry battalion taking over this super dangerous area of operations at the height of, you know, the, the Iraq war. I thought it was, you know, even just objectively speaking, I think it's a super interesting thing. I think it's a super interesting story. So I, I really wrestled with the idea of how do I want to approach this in, in my own way? And I, I, I tried the, you know, to tried my hand at like the documentary thing and it just didn't take off. I did like a really yeah. short 
like 12 minute thing, like kind of complimenting. It was for my associates program. Uh, when I did video production, I did like a real quick, like 14 minute long thing and kind of complimented my story against the story of a ne- local national guard guy who was also huh. in Fallujah. Uh, I didn't even really know it at the time, but like huh. once he, once I heard his story, I was like, dude, like we have like parallel stories kind of. And so I did like a little documentary, but man, that what a process that is, you know, yeah. to get it to the level that I would want it to be at would just take a lot of money and time and blah, blah, blah. So for me, I wanted it. I also tried like a memoir thing. Like I think 2020, I kind of started going back to my old journal, maybe like and trying to twist it into like a fictionalized thing. And it just, some some areas had better traction than others but but ultimately it came down to the poetry and the feedback that i've been getting has just been so cool because i feel like people get it in in the sense that each poem really is an individual story in itself and it's an encapsulation of an experience that i had and or an experience that you know, I'm thinking of as a GWAT veteran in kind of outwardly looking into the whole of, you know, the war in Afghanistan. I've never been to Afghanistan, but I do talk a little bit about it in the book. Um, I've never been, you know, a tier one soft guy or anything like that. I talk about that a little bit in the book. But for the most part, my experience uh, in Iraq is encapsulated in, in, in these in these poems. And I'd like to think that at this point, you know, and, and I hate to, you know, I, I'm I, I'm going to push humility aside for a second. And be like, <laughs> I'd like to think that I'm kind of good enough to uh, to come to this point to where I can boil down these stories because they live in my head, they live in my journals, yeah. they 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 are very much alive to me, and to be able to kind of distill them into these, um you know, lyrically motivated, uh, you know, kind of poems, whatever they are, you know, and it, it felt very cathartic and it still does. And it's, and it's a challenge for me to expect one, any, anybody that I served with to, to reminisce over this stuff. You know, I think yeah. it's asking a lot when, yeah. when, I, when I ask my, my buddies like, Hey, read this, it's probably going to, cause nightmares <laughs> right, but right. you know but at the same time there is that cathartic relief that you know everyone feels when they get this kind of thing off their chest and it's it, it's complex it's uh you know i i think that a lot of people are, are noticing the complexity they're noticing the juxtapositions and the paradoxes and the dualisms and all those terms that mean the same thing that of you know the complications and the complex feelings that a lot of warriors and warfighters have. And, and, and I'd like to think that it spans more than just, you know, the GWAT generation. I had Dale sure. die, just give me a nice, I saw that. Yeah. Right up. And awesome. he's, he's unbelievable. Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. So absolutely. So, so many different ways I want to go with this, but let me start with this. When did these poems get written? Did they? Did you first start writing these? I mean, because you've been trying to climb this mountain of telling 
these experiences, as you said, in a lot of different formats for a lot of different years. But were you working on the poetry on this particular on this particular set of poetry as far back as you can remember, or was this all really new when you decided to do a manuscript just on this? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty new. Um, it's okay. There are a few poems that I pulled. Uh, one of them is from my first book. Right. Um, I think another one. The other two that I pulled from other collections are from. Uh, an anthology, but everything else is, is has been you know 2019 to onwards. So uh, how how yeah. hard was it to go back to that? And by hard, I mean obviously you wanted to go there, and so the motivation was high. But was reconnecting with the smells, the senses, the mindset uh, was that something that was such a daily process? It was easy to snap into, or was it something that was a bit of a journey to go? God, what was I? Oh yeah, I remember what my mindset was like then. I remember Palm Springs 2006. Like how easy and how difficult was that to recall? That's a really great question, Chris, and I, and I appreciate it. And to be quite frank, it was it was a challenge. And uh, and I think that it's something that I've been working on for such a long time, you know. I I, I think that I'm pretty open about the fact that I've been, you know, seeking some kind of social counseling in, in one form or another since basically since I came back home since 2007, um, you know, and I think the VA has been very good to me. I feel very lucky to have a really good VA system up here where I'm located in, in Rhode Island, but man, it, it was a journey and to, to, to crack open my journal and to go yeah. through the journal. It was a like, holy, like there were, there are things that I don't, remember that i forgot does, does yeah. that make sense yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there's shit that i like that i read and i'm like did that really happen like what the hell like part of me just shoved that out of my brain space and it's wild to think of that and it's wild to think that people go through that i'm not the only one sure you know sure. in whether it's you know whether it's on the front lines of a war zone or the front lines of a disaster zone or, you know, the middle of some kind of tragedy that's happening, you know, like that's what our brains do. And I think that that's, th there's this weird, you know, uh, exploration in phantoms of like, what does that mean? Like, what does that do to us as a whole? What does that do to our trajectory as like, a, 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 as people in, yeah. So I, I think it, it was, it was hard. It was definitely hard, but, it's it's something that's just been so cyclic for me, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like I, I've, I've done the therapy thing in like multitudes of ways and times. Yeah. And I feel like I've told these stories so many yeah. times that I'm almost numb to some particular things. And whether that whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but it, it's helped yeah. me to reach this point where now I can share my pain and suffering with other people who I hope will, you know, take something good away from me. I don't want people to feel miserable. That's not the intention here. It's, 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 it's a way to kind of maybe glimpse into the mind of, you know, a, a, a warfighter, but also to kind of step back a bit and try to understand the complexities of what puts 
what gets somebody from point A to point B, and then they're in the war, and then after the war, and, and, and so on and so forth. So it's just trying to build kind of a bigger picture than that. I'm going to ask you an unfair question because I I don't know. I, I don't know necessarily if you're able to answer it, but uh, I'll ask it anyway. Did you write this book for you or did you write it for others? And I say that saying that I'm not sure one answer is better than the other. I think there's necessity and nobility in both. But just for you, what did you? Why did you write it? Anything that, to me, anything that you put out there and especially put so much thought and motivation and effort into putting out into the public sphere, I'd say it's it's really a 80-20 split here in 80% for the public, 20% for me. Really? Um, I, I, I don't think I have a problem admitting that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You, you know, and, and just because I, I don't know, man, I feel like I've been doing this for a long time in terms of like the, the musical discography I have under my belt. You know, I, I, I've, I've sung about these incidents, uh, you know, and uh, there, there's just been, there has been, you know, breadcrumbs, I guess, if, if you're really interested and, you know, you follow my you know, the last 15 or so years of my creative efforts that there have been breadcrumbs kind of leading up to this point, I think. And sure. so to deny the fact that I, you know, wanted it to kind of have some legs publicly as, you know, possibly, you know, my, my finest work yet, you know, as, right, right, right. <laughs> as hopefully somebody might say, but. Or you even know, your I, most defining work, right? I mean, even sure, something yeah. that's like, Hey, this is, like this is to me what I saw when I saw the book, when I saw the cover, and then when I started reading it, and then when I finished reading it, I was like, "This is finally the defining work that Ben has put out." Is that unfair? As as we speak today, August twentieth, twenty twenty three. That's totally fair. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, not like it's the end all be all, but just right. as of right now, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I, let me put it this way. Do you think you've put the subjects to bed? Do you think you've said them now in a way that you're like, I said it, it's out there. It's out there in the way that I've thought it through. I've done it. I've attacked this mountain from multiple different angles. And now this book has come out. It says what I needed it to say. And I'm done with it. And I don't know what I mean necessarily by it. I don't know if that means the subject matter. I don't know if that just means the individual stories. But do you feel like, or do you feel like, no, there's a lot more meat on that bone, and I need to go back to that, and there's going to be more stuff I want to draw and use, and um, you know, be inspired by in one way or another going forward. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good question. I, I'd like to think that going into it, my intention was that. One of the reasons why I wanted to work with Dead Reckoning was to release a war-themed poetry book. And I wanted to, you know, be under the Dead Reckoning banner with that, you know, a, a, a defining 
modern war poetry book that mm. I could say, you know, that I, that I released with them, a veteran owned company that I have a lot of, uh, you know, respect and admiration for these guys. You know, I got to hang out with Tyler, uh, and the, and the book retreat in Montana this past the summer. And that was awesome. I'd never met Tyler up until then. We'd only kind of corresponded digitally. So, you know, uh, spending the week with him was, was really cool. And it, it, for me to, to come out with this, particular story yeah i don't i don't think you're ever you're you're not going to see phantoms part two you know the the return or whatever it's not this is this is going to be the only war poetry book that i will write about my experience i don't think that there's going to be anything else i don't really think it's necessary i don't um i think that the medium uh can transcend uh poetry books you know and maybe we could turn it into a song or a fucking artistic movie thing or I, I, you know it's it, it 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 could be a foundation for other things but i think in it itself yeah i think that that chapter is closed and behind me and i'm and i'm ready to kind of move on to other things yeah so. yeah so because w- when i was saying um you know do you feel like a weight's lifted i guess what i really meant by that is yeah, do you feel like now you've cleaned the carbon out of the barrel? And it's like, cool. Now I can write that romantic comedy I've been wanting to write or whatever it is. You know, like now you can move yeah. on to the other things because like I've got that said and it's out there and it's in print and it'll do what it needs to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yep. That makes totally. sense. Um mm-hmm. how long did it take to write the book? And just the writing, just the first draft, just getting it into manuscript form. Yeah, it all kind of came together pretty quickly. Um, maybe it, it's funny when I went to the the book club retreat, uh, I was there with a couple other Dead Reckoning authors. I was there with Nev Johnson. I was there with uh, Mason Roderick. Uh, Tyler was there, obviously. He's uh, the Dead Reckoning, um, uh, you know, one of the co-founders, for those of you who are not aware. Um, so, you know, there, we had a little Dead Reckoning cohort and... I didn't know it at the time, but going up there, uh, I'm going to have to circle back to your question, but, uh, no, no worries. About yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> but, take uh, the technical route. We got time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I get up there and I had been waiting for my copy of the proofs and, um, I was like, Hey man, you know, I was expecting like a copy or two of the proofs and he had brought like an entire box <laughs> of copies. I was like, wow. Oh shit, dude. And, uh, you know, Sebastian Younger was there and I was right. like, dude, he's going to get a copy of this dude. My, I was like yeah. mildly panicked, but, you know, still, you know, excited. Um, so anyway, you know, the, the lot of us ca- kind of had an opportunity to get together and talk about our books and talk about Dead Reckoning. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's something to be said about, you know, looking over and seeing other writers and telling their story and uh yeah now i'm completely lost my train of thought well no was it's it? all right it's just how long did it take to write the book yeah good. right yeah it, 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 a good 18 months I'd, I'd say you know and and I, that's what i was going with that uh the the book club retreat was very full circle for me in that not only did i get to meet these guys but i also a lot of the poems that are in the book 
came from the beginning of the Patrol Base Abate book club. They had like their first year of inception. They had a um, daily poetry uh, writing prompts for like 30 days. I think it was like towards the beginning of 21 or 20 or something like that around then. And a lot of my material came from those writing prompts. So at that time I was in the mindset of, I want to put together a compilation of war poems. And a lot of these are going to incorporate my own story, but also that of, you know, Afghanistan and and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of these writing prompts um, were kind of where, you know, poems like T-72 came from and and, uh, Climb to Glory and stuff like that. Things that are about, uh, you know, Climb to Glory is the motto of the uh, 10th Mountain Division. Um, and that's, that's intentional. <laughs> so in case anyone was wondering, but yeah, no, so it's, it's stuff like that, that, um, and once those, those really kind of helped to grease the treads and once that stuff was flowing, you know, I was cranking them out, you know, maybe working on it on a major poem, like like some of the longer ones I might work on for, you know, a few days and then kind of move on and, you know, but uh, the writing prompts for Patrol Base Abate helped a lot. So I'd say probably a year, 18 months, just kind of putting stuff together, um, feeling really inspired and just kind of getting after it. You know, one thing, I can't remember if we talked about it the first time we talked, but now it seems like a good time to revisit it. Why did you veer towards poetry? Is it because of the music? Is it because it was, you know, non-musical songwriting? I mean, what what, what is it about poetry? Why wasn't this a no shit there I was memoir? There's something about poetry that, and and I think I alluded to it a little bit before, is it is that, like you said, it's that way of creating a song without the music. And I hope that people maybe can read some of these and they hear music in their head, you know, and and, yeah. and, 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 and I hope that it kind of inspires that kind of thing. And so it just, like I said, I tried to like to fictionalize my journal and it just felt it just felt so weird to me and like not mm. genuine the, to me the poetry is is just so much more genuine and i'd love to get into a spot where you know i'm 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 writing screenplays and fiction and stuff like that but i still feel very drawn to poetry in that i know that i have an ability to like i said just kind of encapsulate stories into these lyrical you know pieces that you know kind of have their own cadence and their own musicality and and stuff like that so yeah i I think there's something to that And, and 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 i think that this is probably the most arrogant i've been in 
fucking 20 years but you know i gotta <laughs> i gotta strip away that you know like don't play don't play yourself as they usually do ben like you know we're on a platform where i gotta brag a little bit but you know I no don't. listen this is the time <laughs> no absolutely this is absolutely the time for it um okay let's not jump to what's next yeah i, I gotta jump into to the work itself uh let's just start yeah. with with the way the book got laid out um was the organization of the poems kind of obvious that was going to be generally chronological or was there debate in your mind or even with keith to figure out how to lay out the entire book i think the i do recall sending a manuscript to keith about uh at about the time where i had everything organized so i at that point when he got it uh the organization of the poetry was where i wanted it to be and that was um that was another thing that was that was basically kind of not much was changed um the appreciate depreciate thing uh was something that uh Tyler recognized as being uh, pretty unique. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was cool. And uh, you know, I got a couple other comments about that at the uh at the book club retreat. Um so yeah, I think that I don't recall like, you know, really tearing apart where things were. I think by the time that what I handed over to Keith it was you know like little stuff here and there everything looked good to be in place and uh so it, it was it was you know a turd that needed to be shined up and we got it there but you know i think it was a turd that was laid out in chronological order as okay. it needed to be yeah okay well let's talk about the appreciate depreciate part because yeah that is absolutely something that um does catch the attention uh not just because it's at the beginning but um yeah that is such an interesting i don't know what the right word is disclaimer caveat <laughs> uh level setting that you do up front um i'm gonna read actually a section of it if you don't mind if it's not weird for you to hear you read back to you go for it um but in the appreciate section you say, there are poems in this book that give praise to our military institutions. They salute the general officers and politicians that rightfully use our warriors as a tool for justice, peace, and stability. They honor the values of service, devotion, and moral courage in the face of adversity and brutality. And then in the depreciate section, you give the caveat. Yeah, of course, the military has its blemishes, and uh, there's a lot of problems. And um, you say... Uh, you talk about corrupt leaders, you talk about the military industrial complex, and you say there are poems in this book that are meant to raise skepticism. They were written to question authority, explore uncomfortable truths about our status as democracy's vanguard. They shame the concepts of blind nationalism, the glorification of violence, and the warmongers that put our country's bravest citizens in these predicaments. What drove you to write all this in the first place and to preface the book with that?
At about the time I was wrapping up is when I created this section. So I had put all the poems together and I was wrapping up right about the time that H. Kaya was going down. Um, and that is why one of the poems in there is August 26th. Um, and I just wanted to, that was just such like a, a huge thing for the GWAT community in one way or another. And even for me, like I said, I've never been to Afghanistan, but I had an emotional reaction as I'm sure many of you, your listeners did too. And it was something that I wanted to, as I said, level the playing field to tone set. Um, and these were just the, it was, it, it felt like I was able to kind of take all of those feelings that I was having and to be able to kind of categorize them and to put them onto contrasting pages, you know, and to be able to, you know, spill all these feelings that I have that I love about our country and our military and all these feelings that I have that I don't know how I feel, but, but I can't yeah. feel anything but yeah. disgust and like that's ethically wrong and that, that stuff. And I, I think that I tried to just kind of, take those feelings and put them into what would be like maybe even considered like a tactical summary you know like <laughs> i want to use right. fucking like stupid gi joe words you know um yeah I'm, I'm not that kind of person and i know that people are gonna fucking start like looking me up and being like why am i not operating with m4s and all my instagram posts and stuff like that and i'm sorry to anyone who is expecting that, but you know, it, it, I'm, yeah. I, you know, I'm a take it, take it as, as I am. You know, I, you got to take me as I am, and that's that's all I ask, and it, that's fine if people don't want to, and whatever. Um, but anyways, it's it's one of those things where you had I had to say something, and I just wanted to. I, I feel like I've always kind of introduced my books uh you know my other two books have some kind of like forward introductory thing but this one is really more or less just like a you open it up and it, it and it like headbutts you right. and it's like this is what this is about yeah and um so yeah no i thought it would be something cool like a little bit of like that essay style and then yeah all poetry well it seemed to me i mean my my initial thought when i read this is like what I appreciated huh, to coin a phrase about it was that, uh, uh, that you seemed like you were, you wanted to make sure people weren't going to stereotype you or pigeonhole you or, um, misinterpret what you were saying. You're like, Hey, I'm not completely against the American military and I'm not just knee jerk jingoistic about the military either that you were, that it seemed like there was a, um, you wanted to make sure you were free from misinterpretation. And that's kind of what that, the level that that's set. Is there anything to that? Yeah. You know, and I take a lot of pride in being somebody that has the ability to 
think independently and to kind of see both sides of the coin for what they are. And that's just what, uh, for me to have the ability to, you know, I'm publishing a book. I know it's going to be for somebody who is interested in war poetry. So for me, it's, it's that initial, this is where I'm putting the bar and this is where we're going to explore within this spectrum. You know, if if you want to call the appreciate and the depreciate, you ask me before every show, what are our left and right limits? You know, and to me, I kind of drew up this topographical mm-hmm. area that people, as they're traversing the story, they can kind of refer back to and be like, what the fuck is this guy trying to say? Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, I'm trying to say both of these things. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I can absolutely see that. You cool. know, we, when you talk about the roadmap, I, I can't help but just you saying that. Uh, I don't know. I, I got to ask about this appreciation of the Marine Corps infantry in haiku form. <laughs> um, what a clever fucking device. Uh, talk to me about that. Where did this come from? Where did that poem come from? Or that haiku come from? Yeah, that is a. Uh, I gotta give a shout out to Justin Egan, who has been on your show and who you know. Uh, Justin is obviously a, a, an OG in the the GWAT Marine Corps poetry slinging scene, and um, he had this thing going where it was the five seven five crew, and it. I don't know how much you know, traction it ever got, but the five, seven, five refers to the the syllables in, in haiku lines. And he was writing a lot of haikus at the time. He has a lot of haikus in his books. Sure. Um, so that was kind of my nod. You're not just hey. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but I wanted to do something that was based on, uh, so each haiku is, uh, in MOS in the Marine Corps and the MOS is the job in the Marine Corps. And I wanted to do the infantry MOS, uh, which if you're not aware, uh, there is a wide swath of infantry jobs in the Marine Corps, everything from, you know, marksmen and sneaky sniper people to machine gunner to, you know, uh, uh, light reconnaissance vehicles and it's stuff that you might not even think that actually is infantry. It's, it's it's in there. It's weird. Uh, but I also threw in the officers. I threw in the, the staff sergeants, you know, the these unique positions that, you know, to me in the Marines, I would love that shit. I thought it was cool. I thought it was really yeah. neat how, um, you know, that was the stuff that I jived with when I was when I was wearing the uniform. I was like, oh, dude, those recon dudes, those guys are really fucking cool, man. Like I looked up to those guys and, you know, I, I still do a lot of those guys are, are are my my boys and they've been nothing but you know good to me so you know it was just it was literally a way for me to summarize the my wankery for these positions i guess i love it i love that piece that that piece i think what is one of the easiest ones that i can see getting traction outside just the poetry realm I think I, that that could be stenciled on any number of barracks walls. Uh, I just I just see a, a life for that. Uh, 
inside the act of military for you in the writing of it what piece stood out to you emotionally which one was difficult to write which one you know you talked about the sense that you've been over some of this ground so many times that you almost become inured to it and you become numbed mm-hmm. which one was um where you're like hey i'm glad i climbed this particular mountain to be able to say this the way i said it um that it really took something out of me emotionally to figure out the right verbiage the right phrasing the right rhythm for it was there one that really popped for you that way <sighs> now i have to I, I, right off the bat um a lot of these are just are, are very personal stories that i had never really explored um trembling trigger finger is the, is a personal story um, that was actually one that I read at the Savage Wonderground mm-hmm. uh, on Memorial Day weekend when we had that. Um, you know, that one, then that I still read and have an emotional reaction to. It's oh. hard not to. Um, yeah. but, you know, I try to fucking maintain discipline <laughs> <laughs> and composure. Oh, um, don't do that. No, let that out. Man, that's the time for it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I hear you. I hear you. But um, yeah, I mean, even some of these that really explore um, a compassionate killer, I think, is one that yeah. took some 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 digging into my own uh, you know spirit uh, as far as uh, that goes. Um, the calling, I think, is another one where I kind of call out some of the uh, you know like the nationalistic stuff that inspired. A lot of us to to do the military thing um so you know while a lot of these are you know pretty personal stories there's there's explorations of myself in it in 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 outside of that i still maintain that it's really more geared towards other people um but you know i heard worth parker uh say this the other i think it was like a year ago now i think i did i did like a Dead Reckoning collective uh, course with Worth, mm. and he basically, you know, just kind of talked about his process. And one of the things, one of the major takeaways I took from that was to be vulnerable. And this was the book where I felt that I had been my most vulnerable in the sense that I'm telling a lot of personal stories. I'm saying stuff that I have never said on any other you know and in any other piece of medium that i've done in so many ways and it 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 takes a lot for me to uh unpack these stories publicly but but it's something that i'm not willing to shy away from i think it's something that i'm realizing the more that you know i open up and, and be vulnerable with people that people are willing to do the same and yeah. that people are willing to also share their experiences and and that's something that i really yeah. took away too from from the patrol base abate book club uh retreat was the first night we were there we had our fireside chats which is like an integral part of what that you know group does and you know, right off the bat, like there were stories about, you know, homelessness and sexual assault and just powerful stories of the human spirit and resilience. And it, it was just it, it it made me realize that 
to talk about these subjects, you have to be vulnerable. In the the deeper that you're willing to go with your vulnerability, the people are willing to go down there with you. And and they're willing to kind of dredge up their own shit too with yeah. you and yeah. not not and like alongside you, not yeah. just so that was really affirming for me, you know, to to get out there and to hear these people uh, you know, talk about their stories. And there was a lot of, you know, emotional stuff happening that weekend because obviously the, the topics were very heavy. At the end of the retreat, we had the sandbag ceremony where we write down names of, um, you know, people that, you know, inspired us that could be alive. But many of us, you know, memorialize uh, our fallen and things like that. And it just so happened to be on the day of the anniversary of one of my friends that was killed in Iraq. It, it was June 25th. So I put his name uh, on the sandbag and to say that I like didn't cry in front of these fucking 30 people yeah. would be an absolute lie because I, you know, uh, many of us took turns talking about the people and then, uh, you know, we, I just had to talk about them and fucking lost it. Like, but it was, yeah. it was very cathartic and, and, and other, I was looking over across from me, you know, there's a recon Marine talking about his fallen brothers that took their own lives. And here's a, you know, a, an 0311 uh, that talked about his cousin who was an army vet that took his life. And, you know, like, you know, we had kind of like, it was a wide spectrum of, of people that we memorialized. Many of them, unfortunately, were suicides. Mine was a KIA, but it was just, it was very cathartic and healing and to walk away from that was like man i i feel like i'm doing the right thing by doing this i feel like i'm doing the right thing by pulling my fucking guts out onto the table and being like this is what this was for me in a poetic sense i guess that makes a ton of sense um i want to read something this is all making me think of a different line of questioning but i want to read one of your poems that stood out to me Many of your poems stood out to me, but this one, for some reason, really appealed to me. I found it somewhat Orwellian, and by that I don't mean what usually mean when you say Orwellian. What I mean is it reminded me of George Orwell himself and his life. Um, but this was your poem, Among the Berserkers, when you said, A writer in a war, capable of violence, and all too aware of its dire consequences. Among him stood the berserkers. How they were ravenous with bloodlust, their hands mangled from dozens of prior fistfights, their arms and shoulders bulked, ready to haul the massive weight of their heavy armaments. He watched their rage, how it would consume the battlefield, knocking down combatants with well-placed shots from a rifle or a fist, laughing in the heat of the fight, unconcerned with their own well-being. The writer felt the craze, how it all changed when a long day took a handful of their brothers away firing his weapon blindly in anger as they covered a marine crawling through the puddle of fluids that soaked the highway a slurry of antifreeze diesel and blood even that night the berserkers prayed to stack the bodies of their enemies and find a way out of that place how much did you feel like you fit in in marine corps culture and did writing this book give you any insight into that it's funny that you asked that because I don't think any Marine ever feels like they truly fit in anywhere. Yeah. And I think that that's something that's very unique about the Marine Corps is it's, 
it's a group of people who don't want to be organized that all consider themselves misfits and like, you know, so, but, but I've always, you know, I'm, I, I got long hair and I love punk rock and metal and shit like that. Like I, I felt like I was part of that. I felt like I fit in, but I didn't want to fit in. It was like, fuck you gunny. And you know, like that, kind yeah. of, it's wild to be in. And that's really the dichotomy that I try to explore in this it, it is that cultural part of it and in some ways uh you know a, a lot of us who are in the infantry talk about you know how much we hate get the garrison life and yeah. some of these poems I, I i love that you like that poem uh, i think that one's been um catching some people's attention uh, that one's got a lot of uh wild stories behind it um, but really what it comes down to is I didn't find myself at that, like that level, you know, when I look at guys, you know, who are these like tier one savages and shit like that, like those are the kind of people that I'm talking about with these berserkers, you know, like in, in the berserker obviously relates to the, the old Viking you know sure. the position of of, of warfighter, and I felt like I had, like I said in the in the poem, as you recited, I felt like I had capability of violence, but it didn't get me hard. Like it didn't, mm. like I wasn't like bloodthirsty as you know some of these other guys were, and I try to you know, maybe unpack that too, in the sense of like, yeah, we need that in our warfighters. How do we disassemble that when they get home, you know? And, and I, I don't really, maybe I don't approach that so much in the poetry book, but I think that, I hope that that's something that people kind of think about is like, you know, and we did a, you know, you could look at, you know, ancient tales, like, the Odyssey and uh, you know the Iliad and whatnot, and 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 it talks about guys like you know uh, uh, Atlas and, and where like they just don't fit in when they get back home, and that's why I think it was Atlas. I, fuck me if I'm wrong. I'm sorry, but it was uh, you know just these warriors that would not fit in and. I felt I always connected with that creative side. I always knew going into the Marine Corps that I was still going to want to write and create and do creative things. Um, so to examine the, the cultural stuff of the Marine Corps 16 years later is just very much part of, you know, like what it means to be a Marine and what it means to um have walked in those shoes and stood on those yellow footprints because I, I really do think it is like it's an organized band of misfits and the ones who rise to the top are usually like you know i'd like to think that the marine corps has changed a little bit and that they're you know trying to be a bit smarter you know leaner because that seems like that's where the doctrine's going but you know like we've we love our John Bassalones and Dale dies, the guys who can fucking, you know, shoot, move, communicate. And, um, I, I, 
the cultural thing is very much part of what it meant to be a GWAT Marine. And that you have the garrison life, you got the, the combat deployment life. And I, I explore that a bit in some of these poems. There are definitely a couple poems that are, you know, a big screw you to, you know, the, the garrison sort of yeah. culture of, of the Marine Corps. And even Mason did it, you know, it's, it's, it's hard not to have that kind of embedded in us. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. That, Makes a ton of sense. I guess I ask it because um, you also have the detachment to be able to look critically, and I don't mean that negatively, but truly have a critique of the people around you and of the mindset around you and all that that requires a degree of detachment. So I guess my question is, how much of that could you have written this book when you got off that deployment, or did you need the 16 years? to get perspective and to be able to look at things and break them down and analyze them and then be able to put them into poetic form. Yeah. I don't know if I needed the 16 total years, but I, I definitely needed some, some separation. I needed some time to go by to, because to, to say that I wasn't, you know, wearing my blues around downtown Providence would be a lie. You know, like I was a fucking boot you know pfc lance corporal two once and uh you know was very much under the awe-inspiring power of the marine corps and uh many akin it to a you know cult-like environment which yeah sure you know depending on i i think many of us are willing to be indoctrinated especially those of us smart enough to go into the reserves um and that's another thing that I thought that was really unique about this story was, you know, the reserve aspect. And I don't really yeah. like yeah. touch upon it a whole lot, but there is definitely like, you know, I think that an active duty guy could read this and relate with a lot, if not all of it, but, but there's something to be said about, um, uh, you know, guys like I talk about, um, uh, doc Walsh, in the poem baby Miriam, he was a you know a, a st louis a twin cities uh emt um in, oh, st saint, uh, paul oh st paul uh yeah. no i'm sorry yeah no i think it was, was st. he st louis yeah yeah it was okay yeah, no it was mistaken. not twin cities it was st. Paul. Was yeah yeah gotcha. yep um so you know and, and it's just i tried to kind of incorporate some of these uh stories into little bits of the of the poetry and they're kind of nuanced in there but i thought that that was a really you know interesting thing too did you have epiphanies while you were writing this book like did you write and then suddenly go oh jesus this makes sense now i'm writing to understand in certain ways but there's certain things that just become clearer to you yeah it's i think it's part of that's part of the process for sure is is when it's for me and i'd like to think that a lot of it you know some of this is more for me than anybody else but it's still part of the story um there's definitely a lot of you know thoughts in terms of like 
oh man, it's like, do I really want to go through with this? Or like, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, could you return back to your question? No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, just the epiphanies, if there were cl- moments of clarity that you got through the writing process that suddenly it allowed you to go, oh, wow, this is what was going on, or this is what this was about, or now I get, I have some clarity and perspective on something that I didn't have before because I've been going through this writing process. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. The, the answer, the short answer to that is yep, for sure. And I think that that's where a lot of the, the vulnerable sections come from is those sorts of, you know, either, I don't know what happens first, you know, I write it out and then I have the epiphany or I have the epiphany and then I write it out. I don't always mm-hmm. keep track of that, but you know, there are those kind of moments in there of, Holy shit. And I hadn't thought about that up until this point, you know, or, mm. um, you know, like maybe that made a bit more of a role, played more of a role in my life than I had maybe further anticipated. Even like I said earlier, you know, there were moments that I just flat out forgot happened on deployment. Yeah. And it almost feels like an epiphany when you revisit that. And it's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's wild how, you know, our brains work and, I feel really lucky to, you know, to have this opportunity to, you know, just get cathartic and uh, to be able to to share these things because, you know, I don't think that my, my problem with like doing like memoir stuff and, and, and I, and I was very good about journaling and I actually, mm. <laughs> funny story, I got in trouble about journaling in Iraq. I had a, a, a moment where, I was keep I was not security savvy. I was not very private about my internet activity. I had like a public blog wow. that like anybody could go on and I was transferring my like handwritten journal onto the public blog which was an absolute stupid mistake. 18-year-old wow. Benfo gets caught up by, you know, somebody who's doing their job and it is like monitoring you know, the net. And so I write this blog about how like, we're going to like string up the Iraqis (laughs) and it's like, yeah, Oh, well, that's not good. And uh, so I got taken aside and they were like, you know, like, what the fuck is this? Like, like, like we, like what's going on with you. And I was like, dude, like they, uh, uh, an attack had just happened. A bunch of Marines had gotten hurt. I was really upset, blah, 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 blah. You know, and the psychologist, like, I overheard him talking to, like, whoever he was talking to. And he was like, you know, hey, he's just, he was just having a, you know, I, I think he's stable. He's fine. You know, I, you know, we can get him back out in the field or whatever. They pulled me from the fucking patrols for, like, a day. And then I was like, well, I got to shut down my journal. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it, it was stupid. It was just real <laughs> ignorant on my part. But, you know, they, like, looked into it for ops. I think, you know, nothing was on there that I, I right. was. 18 years old i didn't know anything but where we were going point me in the right direction and i'll go there like but you know it was also they were kind of concerned because i was a little upset and you know and and i didn't think anything of it dude i didn't even think of like (laughs) you know here we are in the middle of like this base the internet center now i'm i've been doing like i've been studying networking and cybersecurity the last like couple years so 
I'm like, duh, you know, like <laughs> fucking idiot. And it's like, how did I get caught? I don't know. But um, so yeah, it, it was just one of those things where I had a I had a pretty good detailed journal and I had thought about like doing like a memoir thing, but it just didn't it, I didn't jive with it. And to have the the poetry thing, it kind of really helped to boost those like sorts of epiphanies and those sorts of things where like I don't know it just feels like it's just more of like a like a distilled version and and it just comes and it drops in your lap like a fucking like a J-dam and those are the epiphanies that I like to discover and those are the epiphanies that fucking get me off when I'm writing poetry And, and to have those sorts of moments where I'm like, holy shit, like how, like I had never connected those two thoughts before or whatever, or mm. I hadn't thought about that in that way before. So, uh, you know, I've been writing for a long, long time, a lot of journaling, a lot of poetry, a lot of lyrics and stuff. I love writing fiction. I have a lot of fun writing fiction, but I could never get around to making anything that I thought was really worthwhile putting out there. So, you know, there, there's just a lot of power, I think, in poetry for me that I have just stuck with over the years. And, and that's just something that, you know, I, I, I guess the memoir thing would have been cool. But, you know, it, I, I still toy around with the idea of like a documentary thing. Um, but, you know, that's maybe something for a near future project but yeah for me it was it was a personal story about you know the GWA as a whole kind of summed up in these like you know uh you've read stones of the wooded valley and i think that you mm-hmm. put it really well um that each poem is like a stepping stone through the valley and yeah. i never thought about that until you said it and i was like yep that's what that is because chris said it so <laughs> uh, but that's but I'd like to think that that I that I've done something similar yeah. with this one. No, you you have. Um, I'm I'm tempted. I don't really have anything to say about the baby Miriam poem except to say that that one definitely popped for me. Um, and I think so. I'm not sure there's even a question in this, but it's more just. Um, A chance to, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, fanboy over over it. I just think it's 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 such, it's so unique for so many reasons. For one, is that, and it seems that this is a theme throughout that you're happy to talk about others as much as you're willing to open up and be vulnerable with your own experiences. There's a lot of stories that which, and I think that's true for all of us. That a lot of times it's stuff we've heard about or stuff we were witness to that didn't necessarily involve us per se that really sticks with you and that um, gives you something to think about. And in this case, um, especially popping up as I think it did, if I remember right, between an awful lot of violence, an awful lot of um, you know war fighting, but popping in this this very. <sighs> benevolent story of your doc from st louis you're right 
uh, who um, treated an Iraqi baby and warded off her infections. Um, and then the way that that circles back to his mother after he's di- after he dies in combat. Um, it was a beautiful symmetry and a very tender, you know, gutting story, but one that it just was very rare. It was very, it's a very rare that you hear that spoken of. I guess that's what I'm saying. And the fact that you had the presence of mind and the sensitivity and the visibility to capture that and put that on paper, I think was exceptional and noteworthy. Um, so no question, just a compliment. I just think that that, that was one poem uh, among many that really popped for me. And I think that was captures in my mind a lot of what makes your work unique in this book. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Um, Thank you so much. That's, no, um, listen, I, as I say, I was, I was searching for a question in there, but I, I really, I love that poem. Um, I want to ask about the artwork. Where did that come from? Yeah, I collaborated with a very close friend of mine. Uh, we go back well before my time in the military. Uh, huh. We were, we were neighbors. Uh, we were, you know, we both had aspirations for the military. He went to Norwich University um, and did not accept his commission as a smart man would, because he is a very, uh, as you can see, very acclaimed uh, illustrator, graphic designer. His main for- forte is architecture. So he's a fucking oh. brilliant designer. Um, so I sat down with him. And I was like, hey, man, like, I want to work with you on this. And, you know, like, it's just it really goes back to like my like childhood. Like, I like look up to this dude. I've always thought he's like Mm. brilliant and just like an amazing artist. And um, but really what it came down to is he was like, all right, send, send me some shit. You know, and I sent him some deployment pictures. And that was one of the pictures uh it was uh, a a motorcycle v-bid uh some idiot with a motorcycle thought he would be able to blow up an entire outpost but um yeah he was the only one who got hurt and it was just a very uh difficult scene to look at the encapsulation of violence is very much there but nobody was hurt thankfully i'm sure a couple marines got their brains rattled but the only person who was killed was the idiot suicide bomber and um it was uh working with andrew uh was just fantastic uh you know we went through a couple different iterations of this picture but uh basically Mm. it kind of gave him two two uh kind of criteria pardon me is uh, I wanted the topographical lines in the smoke, mm. and I wanted some badass looking skulls, like a metal uh. album cover. <laughs> and um, dude, he gave that to me in spades. I love the colors that he's got. I love like the like the border. That was something we had yeah, very cool. much looked at what Dead Reckoning was doing, and it was very intentional to have the layout the way it is we wanted it to fit into the catalog we didn't want to Mm. um 
you know, we didn't want to like stand alone as something weird looking. So we were looking at Rocky, we were looking at poppies. We were looking at, uh, I don't know if Sangin had come out at that time, but we were looking, I have a massive collection of like all the dead reckoning books. So I like brought them all to him. I was like, Hey, you know, like, here's what they're currently doing. Like, let's kind of stay on brand on target with this. And what he churned out was just incredible. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate all the work that he's done. Everybody has said, yeah. dude, this cover looks awesome. Yeah. And yeah. It, it is. And, and, and I'm, and, and I would never, I'd feel gross using it. Like if like, you know, somebody had been like killed in that attack, I wouldn't use that kind sure. of thing. Sure. So like, to me, this is, you know, just kind of a, it summarizes the violence and the capacity of violence that we were just exposed to and, 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 and not even in the sense of like, you know, like the warfare and stuff, but like, here's something that you just don't see every fucking day is like this, like burning what looks to be like a vehicle. It's obviously a vehicle. And then you got like putrid skulls coming out of it and they're orange and there's like topo lines yeah. and stuff. And what's well, the complexity of the picture? Like it wraps up so many themes in that picture, but does it simply, and it doesn't look cluttered and it look, it's a really great graphic, a really exceptional cover art. Uh, yeah. I, I echo what everyone else has said about that. Um, so let's talk about what's coming up for you. Now that you're getting this carbon out of the barrel, what what comes next? What are you getting inspired to work on? What are you setting your sights towards? Well, uh, I, I, I still feel very fresh uh, in, with the Phantoms launch. Um, as you are well aware, this is yeah, it's a long it's a long game at yeah. this point. You know, you've got to kind of keep on the gas, especially with so much noise in in yep. these channels um promotion so wise I, of course yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Yep. but creatively are you thinking of some is there something that's starting to tickle your fancy that you're starting to think of and like hey when i actually put pen to paper again here's a theme here's subjects here's something i want to uh, churn out yeah i do have a couple uh things that that i can now focus on that i can kind of put more of my attention on i do have a uh, we talked about it a bit on a, on our first episode, but a lot of my stuff is inspired by my dreams, which are just fucking insane and wild. So I had this dream a long time ago now, probably four or five years ago, that I thought was such a cool concept for like, it, like a, a story that I've kind of been wrestling, like what format I want to go with it. So I have a couple things like that. Um, I'd like to think that I want to start diving more into fiction. Uh, I have a real love and hunger to put out uh, some kind of fiction story, whether it's like a collection of fiction stories or short stories or something like that. Um, I've just, it's something that I've always done on the side of just, I don't get around to publishing a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But that's something that I'm that I'm pretty hungry for as well. And obviously, you know, I want to keep up with uh, book signings and readings uh, sure. for Phantoms and stuff like that. But I, uh, you know, if, if you want to see what I'm really up to, I have a website, Benjamin Fortier 
Dot-com. Definitely encourage people to go check that out. That's where I'll put like some of my fiction stories and things like that. They're they're usually like seven to fifteen minutes, you know, short fiction story and stuff. So, how are you feeling with the fiction right now? Are you feeling good with it? Are you feeling like you're getting in a zone with it? I've always, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where I I don't think I've always felt as comfortable with it with, with my poetry, but I've always felt semi-comfortable in the sense that i can put some of these stories out there publicly Mm -hmm. um it's it just feels kind of like it's i don't know i with poetry there is that you have to yeah gotta hit them hard like right off the bat or with certain lines and with that cadence and stuff like that i feel like i'm I come from such like a musical like sort of background that it's it it's it's hard for me to kind of get away from that but but what's cool about fiction is you can incorporate poetic descriptions and lines into stories and sometimes maybe even into dialogue and I I think that I feel okay you know, about uh, my fiction and creative writing skills. It's something that, like I said, I've kind of always done, like, in the background. Uh, but it's definitely a different beast, for sure. For sure. Yeah, um, because, as you said, so much of your poetry is story-based. Yeah, it seems like a very natural segue. Um, I guess now would be a good time to say, and God forbid you stumble into playwriting. There might even be avenues for that, but I'm just saying. Uh, it's food for thought. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, can we talk Wonderground for a second? Do it. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a location yet. I went up to, I was in Boston last weekend scouting locations. I scouted oh, nine locations for us. Um, and it's August and everybody's, it's like fucking, you know, carrying, carrying the sea back in your hands. It's impossible to keep commitments from anybody, but yeah we're, we're we're narrowing in on some spots anyway cool. but october 31st halloween ben fortier i've got a we've got a working up the show and many of your phantoms pieces will be anchoring that show uh it's you actually gave it the the soul of it i think uh nick f stoth you gave it the bones the backbone the narrative structure and you're giving it uh, the kind of the the subtext. Um, can I tell you what it's going to look like? Can I give you? Can I give you a, yeah. a little sneak peek? Can Let's we just talk it. about this for a second? So you got it. Um, so basically, the show is ghost story, right? So it's going to be a series of ghost stories based off Nick's writing across Massachusetts. But then your stuff is what's actually going on. So that these there's ghost stories, but the ghost stories. It's it's not just completely ethereal. It's that they're manifestations of somebody's thought, and it's yours because hey, this is actually what this is based on. It's not just that there's a monster out of nowhere that came out of nowhere. It's that yeah, because here's what happened in Iraq because this this and this. Therefore, when I'm at night in my home and I'm seeing myself in this Victorian house with X Y Z and this ghost at like there's an anchor to it. So it's kind of That's showing. Cool the meta extrapolation of it. So I say all that to prep the environment so that you see, like I, I didn't 
pervert any of the meanings of your poems. Like I didn't want to take it and go, okay, we're going to shoehorn this into something that it's completely not about, but that's kind of the juxtaposition. And then between Amy's stuff and your stuff and some of Dex's and, um, and Iman's and all that. Uh, but anyway, there's a soulful kind of anchor to it, which I think is gonna be really freaking badass. So, um, and, and we, and I hear, I'm not gonna try to put you on the spot, but I hear that Ben Fortier and Dex are working on a song. Yeah, I got a, I, I got some lyrics the other day. I just started. <laughs> you know, I know we got the podcast, but I, I got my guitar busted out, and yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping too. And, and you know what, what I love about um, what you're doing here, and with Savage Underground, you know, the first year that you did it that up in New York was was fucking awesome. I love that you guys are kind of doing more satellite stuff. That's a really cool concept, but. The the thing that I'm getting at that I really appreciate the most about what we're doing is it's not just a it's not just an open mic thing where we're just going to no. go up there to a mic and read music you know blah, blah, blah. it's it's very directed it's it's got this overarching thing with all these subtexts and it's it's super layered I love that I think people want to see that and like yeah. need to see this shit because anyone can go out there and you know see open mics, which are fine. You know, they're great training grounds, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, I have to get out there and do that stuff myself, you know, but to be something, to be a part of something like this, that's a lot more organized, a lot more directed, a bit more theatrical, vet rep theater, holy shit, weird that you guys are doing that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah. it, it's what I would expect, you know? Yeah. No, dude, it's going to be so much fun. And yeah, I mean, there's no two ways about it doing a festival again i think will be easier than doing all the satellites because the satellites are it's funny for the scale they are they are still there's so many moving elements to it and it's always an away game but mm -hmm. they are fucking awesome and it's so much fun to put it together and to platform everybody and see that and um yeah anyway i'm really looking forward to that but that's it's been a it was great timing for your book to come out when it did because for me to then be able to take so much time and reading through everything and looking at it through two different lenses, one as a reader and then one is going, hey, is there any of this that might work for the Wonderground? Um, so much rich material in there. Um, dude, less than not be said, I'm going to have said it in the intro, but I'll say it right now to your face. Congrats, man. I mean, it's a phenomenal piece of work. I'm so happy for you. I, you know, 16 years, dude. I mean, that's, that's not nothing. That's a lot of freaking gestation period and an incubation for this to finally get birth i'm really happy for you that you got it out and got it out in such a good form um obviously drc guys you know do great work in editing and putting that stuff out there um but i'm just thrilled that you were able to get the artwork right get the formatting right get the get it presented in a world-class way that um that the words warrant you know and that's really awesome so really really happy for you Ben, tell everybody where they need to find you. Uh, you would mention the website, but we can mention it again. Um, and we'll obviously have links and everything to the book throughout the show notes and everywhere else. But tell everybody all the information they need to know. All you need to know is my name, Benjamin Fortier, and that's my website, benjaminfortier.com. Uh, you can find me on social media from there. I'm mostly active on Instagram at the Benfo. 
and uh, yeah, no, I just want to say that I, I want to take this moment to show some gratitude to yourself, uh, Chris. You know, I've, I've considered you uh, a mentor. When I mentioned you to my friends, I'm like, oh, this is this guy, Chris. You know, he's like, oh, I consider him, you know, like a mentor in this in this scene. So I, I'm very grateful for you to give me this platform. Um, grateful to the DRC crew. Uh, Tyler and Keith have been nothing but fantastic to work with. Uh, Andrew designed the cover. Fucking love that guy. He's a great friend. And I'm just really glad that we can, you know, if this is going to be my defining work, I'm really glad to have him at my side. Uh, illustratively, you know, I've, I've always looked up to that guy. So it's great to have him as part of this. And uh, everybody who has given me feedback, uh, thank you so much. Much love to you. Um, this is, uh, it, it's been very exciting. Uh, if, if in my personal life, like June was like wretched, but to have this juxtaposed with, you know, the mm. excitement of, of phantoms has been really nice. And it's given me something to, to really look forward to and to, to build off of as far as like, you know, how can I find some hope and shit like that? Because, you know, when you go through immense loss, like suddenly, like, like I did, like my family and I did, like just kind of a back to back thing. Uh, it's just like, holy shit. And, but it, it's been, it's been fantastic. You know, I've been healing in the background. And I don't want to show off that, you know, like, oh, my life is in ruins or anything like that. But, you know, it's, it, it, this has been uh, just a, a really cool time uh, to be around. And I think that's, it's, that's what life is, man. That's what phantoms is about. It's about that duality. It's about that, you know, that the flow that we have to adapt to as people where, you know, the best of times, the worst of times, it's, you know, kind of how they summarize it, but it, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. And uh, I'd like to think that, there is some truth in phantoms. Um, some of it may be elusive. Um, but yeah, no, if anybody wants to hit me up, that's, uh, those are the platforms. I'm on the web, I'm on the Instagram, and I'm on all the cool podcasts that <laughs> you host. <laughs> Dude, you're the best, man. Uh, I love talking to you. And um, let's do it again uh, sooner than later, but I guess Boston, if not before. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, Rock thanks for your roll. time, Chris. Of course, brother. That was Ben Fortier's profile in Havoc. Um, always great to talk to Ben. Um, we talked, as you can tell at the end, about Savage Wonderground. Um, he will be in Boston with my nonprofit and, by the way, the other sponsor of this week's episode, uh, Veterans Repertory Theater. Um, he will be there on Halloween which is a Tuesday this year, December or December, October 31st um, for our Savage Waterground titled Ghost Story. Um, as you are hearing or just heard in the interview, the location is still TBD, but um, that is going to be a fun one. Amy Sexauer will be there. Uh, Nicholas F. Stathew, uh, Dave Camposano, Iman Caffell. By the way, all of those, of course, Dex, all every single one of them has been on this show. So it's full of not just military veterans, but veterans of this show as well. 
Um, I should mention that this interview will get piggybacked on the Savage Wonder platform, and uh, because that will air later, maybe we'll have a location by then. <laughs> so listen to that one, and you can hear exactly where it is. But if you want to know where it is, um, right when we announce it, uh, the best thing to do is go to vetrep.org, V-E-T-R-E-P.org, vetrep.org. Uh, while you're there, go on the homepage, scroll down partway, you'll see an option to subscribe for free to our literary blog, which means that every single day you will receive in your email inbox a little snippet of veteran writing, including many by Ben Fortier, followed by a slew of shameless plugs of all the stuff we're doing and announcements and everything else. So it's the best way to stay up to date with what we're doing, where we're going to be, when we're going to be there, and all the details you need to know. Okay, I need to thank this episode's producer, Mike Neal. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. My thanks again to my friend Ben Fortier. And on behalf of everyone at Havoc Journal, we'll see you next time for another Profile in Havoc.